Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Today on Not Sam Wrestling is a big surprise coming for SummerSlam. What's the deal with the AEW World Championship? And is wrestling hot? We'll get to the bottom of it today on Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, buddy, here we are. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Hope you're all doing well. Hope it was a fantastic weekend and week. Coming back at you strong after that dual uh, episodes week last week. Welcome to... To not Sam Wrestling, and I feel like uh, quite the quite the, the week, quite the way we've already started the week. Let's say, of course, coming straight off, we had Great American Bash uh, over the weekend from NXT, an NXT Premium Live event. Um, I think for me, probably my favorite thing that happened was uh, Dom Dom uh, retaining the North American Championship one day. One day, the time will come. Everybody talks about the bloodline, and they should talk about the bloodline. Another great bloodline segment on SmackDown, but everybody talks about the bloodline and how it's it's redefined uh, the way WWE tells stories, and I think that it has. Even when you dip back into generations prior, and you go, oh, why don't they tell long stories anymore? Why don't they tell long stories anymore? There haven't been any stories that are this long and this intricate really ever name a a a not an angle right not 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 like the nwo and by the way the nwo wasn't three years but even then that wasn't a a a a story that was told throughout name another three-year story where there are story beats happening like every single week i'll sit here name one it doesn't happen but as interesting as the bloodline story is from the perspective of wrestling storytelling to me just bubbling under that is and it's not really the 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 television the storyline of it as much as it is the real life thing that we're seeing right in front of our eyes of Dominic Mysterio Dominic Mysterio a guy who 
you know, I mean, when he debuted, it was like, cool, Ray's kid is here. I remember him from when Ray won his custody in a ladder match. And within a few months of his debut, once once people kind of got over the sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, kick of seeing father and son team together, Dom wasn't getting any love. Like, Dom... He wasn't getting any love from people. It was just like, okay, Dom's here. What next? And within the last less than a year already, he's completely turned this around to the point that Dominic Mysterio, I mean, I don't remember the last time somebody main evented a Raw, an NXT, and a SmackDown in the same week. I mean, this is a guy who is one of the top acts on the main roster, but also alongside Rhea Ripley, of course, let's not pretend that's not an important part of the puzzle, is on this NXT premium uh, live event, the Great American Bash, and is so crucial that he's retaining the title. He's retaining the North American title. There are plenty of, of versions of this story where Dominic comes in just to give him a ratings pop for a week, wins the title, and two weeks later drops it to somebody on the NXT roster. But all these shows have realized, hey, Dominic equals ratings. And I think it's genius from a WWE perspective because, keep in mind, Dominic really, I believe, started during the pandemic era uh, went right to the main roster, never wrestled indies, didn't, doesn't, he doesn't have this wrestling foundation that everybody else has. So WWE has figured out a way to get him on every show in prime spot so he can get those reps in. And all the while, the shows are the ones that are benefiting because Dominic is there. And who would have thought a year ago? A year and a half ago, everybody, including myself, are paying their money because they want to see Dom Dom. Who is not going to a live? If Dom Dom shows up, there is a different vibe that happens at a live event, right? When somebody when somebody shows up, and I felt it at live events, and I don't always expect to feel it. When Roman Reigns is in an arena, it's different than it used to be, Okay. I knew, I knew something had changed with Roman when I went to a Raw. And Roman is somebody that I've spoken to before. I've shared a meal or two with Roman Reigns. Like, I've known Roman Reigns for a long time. See him at live events nonstop. Except not that long ago, I went to a Raw that he was at. So maybe it was like at the beginning of the year. And he was backstage. And he just walked by me and he went, What's up, Sam? When somebody that you know walks by you and says, what's up? It's not, you don't call the papers. You don't let the world know. Oh my God, guess who just said hello to me? But when that happened, I went, oh my God, it's Roman Reigns. And I said, this is different. A month or so ago, I brought my son to his first live event in White Plains, New York. And the Usos came out. And I watched, and maybe it was because I was watching them through his eyes, but... I was also watching them through my own eyes. And I mean, these are people, these are superstars that I've seen forever. 
I can't tell you how many live events I've been to. I remember going to live events when I saw the Usos wearing neon shorts and face paint. Wasn't that long ago that I drove a year and a half ago, I drove all the way to Hershey, Pennsylvania, so I could do 30 seconds of television time on SmackDown doing an interview with the Usos, but seeing them at this live event, I went, oh my God, there go the Usos. I sat in a room with Cody Rhodes when he had a mustache and just talked about wrestling. I did the exact same thing with the exact same person a couple a week ago. And I went, this is a star. This is not the same guy that I talked to. That's what's going on with Dominic Mysterio. You go to a live event and Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley are on that live event. You're seeing someone enormous, which brings me to my first kind of talking point on the show, which is the question, is wrestling hot? And, and I can't even believe that that question is being asked, right? Is wrestling hot? Because people are talking and they're going, oh, wrestling is hot again. And then, of course, you're going to have your haters that are going, well, not really. It's not really that hot. I remember when it was hotter. And, and you're going, look, I don't understand from any perspective. There are a lot of people who are in the business, like the way that they earn their living is to speak negatively about wrestling. And that's fine. And there are some people who prefer content that speaks negatively under the guise of we're being honest and the other guys won't be honest. And it, that's fine. If that's the content that you like, if you're like, oh, I don't listen to people who like things. I listen to people who don't like things because the people who don't like things are the ones being honest. Okay, if that's the case. I spend my time watching things that I like and then I talk about that. So. If that's dishonesty to you, I get where this would be uh, a, a troubled podcast for you. But my whole thing is, objectively speaking, not from the perspective of a wrestling fan, but objectively speaking, looking at any metric, and that's all you have to do, just look at metrics now. Wrestling is hotter than it's been in 20 years minimum a lot of people go, well the attitude era you couldn't go anywhere without an austin 316 or an nwo shirt okay true they don't have as good t-shirts they really don't have as as good t-shirts for whatever reason they can't capitalize. i mean the bloodline shirt the original bloodline shirt with the portrait on it was cool but it, it was also a portrait of these wrestlers there are going to be people that will not walk around with pictures of human beings on their t-shirt. That's just a thing in the t-shirt world. The t-shirts aren't as good. That I will give you. But if you look at just this weekend, I follow this great uh, Twitter account called, I think it's called WrestleTix. And they post like every wrestle, every AEW and WWE show. And they post a, a picture of the kind of seating chart of the arena. And they post how many tickets have been sold how many tickets were were available and how many are full. And just looking at this weekend, on Sunday, there was a house show at the University of Miami. 5,333 tickets were available. That's what the arena was set up for. 4,585 seats were filled. So at that house show, 
Out of 5,333 seats, they had what? 800 tickets available, maybe less. And you go, wow, WWE is doing well, not AEW. Collision in Hartford. They were set up for 5,140. They did 4,605 people in that building, which is even better than the house show at the University of Miami. And then you go to Great American Bash, NXT. You know, people were very skeptical of NXT going back on the road because it's a different product now. Does it have the same fan base? It's one thing when black and gold went on the road, it was like the hottest thing in wrestling. It had all like the, it was like super card of the indies every single time. This is actually people that have, have, have grown for the most part from the ground up. Great American Bash was set up for 4,174 and sold 3,937 tickets. Almost the full amount of tickets that they set the arena up for, they were able to sell for the Great American Bash. And why? Because wrestling's coming to town. We're going to go check it out. I mean, you look at TV ratings and people go, well, TV ratings were so much higher in, in, in the Attitude Era. TV ratings were even higher in the Ruthless Aggression Era. TV ratings keep going down. First of all, TV ratings don't keep going down. Because they're 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 not going down now from where they were like a year ago. But if you want to compare them to 20 years ago, you can't. Because people don't watch TV like that anymore. It just doesn't happen. I mean, the Super Bowl still does numbers. That's it. Football will still do numbers. It will always do numbers. It's America's pastime. I know they say it's baseball, but it's clearly football. It is what it is. Sports will do that. Wrestling is a different beast. Wrestling you can watch later. Nobody's going back and watching old sports games. WWE, one of the main sources of revenue is the fact that people love, they made a billion dollars because people love their libraries so much just renting their library to NBC. They made a billion dollars. And 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 that's the key here, right? That first of all, you don't compare numbers to numbers as if it's apples to apples cuz it's not. But what you do is you compare it to other things that are on TV. And see that wrestling is still a top rated show. It's not even like all the different wrestling shows are still top rated. That's Raw, NXT, SmackDown, Dynamite, Collision. Rampage is not a top-rated show, but that's a sixth show, and that's another point, right? The, 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 there have been times when wrestling was the biggest show on TV. There was two wrestling shows. They were both on Monday. When wrestling was, for in a lot of people's heads, at its all-time high, the Monday Night Wars, those were the only two shows that anybody was watching. What do you think? It's because Sunday Night Heat was the most watched show? What was it because? Velocity? Shotgun Saturday Night you couldn't keep your eyes off of? They couldn't keep Shotgun Saturday Night on the air. Now, we're living in a time where you got wrestling on Monday, Raw. Tuesday, NXT. Wednesday, Dynamite. Thursday, if you want, you can watch Impact, but that's not on regular cable. Friday, SmackDown is on Fox Television. And Saturday, you've got a two a legit two-hour collision wrestling show. If you want to watch a legit good wrestling show, there's 
at least two hours. Monday, it's three. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And that's just the, that's that's without even scratching the surface. That's without going through streaming services to find indies. That's without Rampage. That's without Impact. That's without any of that. So if if TV ratings were bad, and if wrestling was having a hard time finding an audience, why on earth would some of the biggest networks on television a lot five primetime slots a week to professional wrestling, 52 weeks a year? They wouldn't. Would never happen. Beyond that, money is at an all-time high. They figured out a new way because it's a, it's a new business world. They go, well, you used to go to the mall and be able to buy wrestling t-shirts. Number one, I mean, even a few years ago, you could get Bullet Club shirts at Hot Topics. But number two, who's going to the mall? Who's going to the mall? Every time a show comes on, they're making more money. You know, you know that wrestling is hot because not only do you have these buildings full of people... But when they announce a match for SummerSlam, they got a Slim Jim Battle Royal. They got an insurance company buying the Rey Mysterio Dominic match. They got Mountain Dew buying a match against LA Knight and Bray Wyatt. You know, in the Attitude Era, they couldn't get sponsors. They were having trouble finding sponsors because the product was so edgy because people didn't get wrestling. That's all changed. Who are the biggest movie stars? John Cena. Batista, The Rock. Now it's like you you watch these shows, you watch WWE shows, and they go, "Well, uh, Roman Reigns, uh, uh, where is he going to go?" There was a time like you wouldn't go Hollywood. It never that, that wasn't a thing. It was a joke when Hulk Hogan was like, "I'm leaving wrestling to go to Hollywood." People were like, "What are you dumb? That's not how it works." Who would want to see a goofy wrestler in a movie? And he goes, well, just wait till you see Suburban Commando. And they were like, we were right on this one. The reality is that now MJF is, is getting ready to have a movie come out, an A24 movie about the Von Erics. It's a wrestling family uh, in December. A24 is the biggest movie house there is. It's, it, it goes without saying that Roman Reigns is going to have a Hollywood career. That's just the move. It's just what people do. Agents are literally looking at top wrestlers now and going, let me sign him up because once he's done with this wrestling stuff, he's going to be big in Hollywood because that's that's how people make their moves. And finally, when you look at at, at the at the at the at how do we know if wrestling is hot or not, we look at the fan base, okay? And there's a couple of things to look at with this fan base. Number one, we're doing, we're, we're, when you look out at the crowd, it's finally, finally, the audience that they've been going for forever. Kids, adults, everyone. I don't know if they have the teens right now, but they've got little kids and they've got adults all locked in. When you go to these shows, the adults and the kids are both enjoying the same thing. Number two, there are so many new fans. That When was the last time that you met somebody that had only just started watching wrestling? There are so many new fans. 
so many people. We were talking about it with Cody. So many people that just started watching that they don't know anything about WrestleMania 5. They don't know anything about WrestleMania 30. You know how many people who currently watch wrestling actively don't know anything about the Yes Movement? I was answering an email last week. Hey, should I watch the Ruthless Aggression Era? I didn't watch it. I just started watching wrestling now. Why'd you just start watching wrestling now? Because I heard about it and it seemed cool. When was the last time that happened? Wrestling's hot, baby. And finally, it's because other than specific moments for the vast majority of the time, and this, I don't remember when it happened. This wasn't even happening in the Attitude Era. The good guys are getting cheered and the bad guys are getting booed. Roman Reigns is a bad guy. People boo him. Cody Rhodes is the goodest good guy and people cheer him. Seth Rollins is a good guy. People cheer him and they sing along. The Judgment Day, they are bad guys. People boo him. They boo Dominic so much he can't even talk. It's unbelievable. There was a time when somebody like L.A. Knight, it wouldn't really matter if he was a heel or a babyface because people just cheer whoever. Now, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, he's so clearly a babyface. I think that's the move he's making anyway as he's going to be a part of this Slim Jim Battle Royal. But it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and we should all, I, and I hope that we are, all celebrating the fact the wrestling's getting hot again. I mean, look at SummerSlam, right? SummerSlam's coming up this weekend. They've got a superstore going in. They got they got signings everywhere. They have I'm able to do these live podcasts. You know, that's another thing. People like me can can stay in business doing shows where we just talk about wrestling because people are so interested in consuming this content. We got companies like C4 that are not only getting on board with WWE branded product sponsoring things like SummerSlam, but C4 is sponsoring the live Not Sam Wrestling show in Detroit. C4 is bringing Not Sam Wrestling to the Detroit House of Comedy, which is, by the way, happening August 5th, this Saturday, 5 p.m. You can get your tickets at NotSamLive.com. You'll have time to check out the live show and then head over to the stadium to go to SummerSlam if that's what you're doing. But it's an amazing, amazing thing. Speaking of uh, uh, amazing things, and I was thinking about this as I was saying, good guys get cheered and bad guys get booed. It was a very, very interesting um, moment on the Great American Bash. Gable Steveson versus Baron Corbin. Uh, the finish caught me off guard. I mean, I, the one thing that I don't think any of us thought, I think most of us thought that Baron Corbin was going to lose. And I was bummed about that because I'm a Baron Corbin fan. And... To me, Baron Corbin is one of those villains that you've you've got to have win sometimes. Like, I don't mind the idea, the psychology behind having a villain that you put in high-profile matches and good guys beat them. I think that that's an important role to have. Somebody that, you know, they're never going to be the world champion. They're probably not going to main event a pay-per-view. But as you're building up a good guy to get to a place where he can win a championship, he can win a pay-per-view. Baron Corbin becomes one of those credible opponents for this good guy to beat on his rise to the top. 
However, if everyone does that, and in between everybody doing that, he's not getting any major victories, then it means nothing. If everybody beats Baron Corbin, then Trevor Lee beating Baron Corbin or Cameron Grimes beating Baron Corbin doesn't mean anything anymore. And 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 it doesn't give you the momentum. There, It makes it so that there's nowhere to go with a Cameron Grimes because big deal. He beat the guy that everybody else beat. So for me, I go, I understand the psychology when I thought that uh, uh, Gable Stevenson was going to win. I was like, I get the psychology behind having Gable Stevenson win. But like, I almost wish that they would have Baron Corbin beat Gable Stevenson to give him this level of credibility where it's like, oh my God, Corbin beats guys all the time. And then maybe later on, Gable Stevenson could beat him and actually gain something from it. But what I didn't expect to happen was the double countdown. Um, I, I hope that a reset button is pushed because I think people are starting to see a Baron Corbin that I've been a fan of for all these years, a Baron Corbin that's capable of a lot more, a Baron Corbin that that has been so committed to the roles that he's in that you now have to appreciate him. How as committed as he was to that bum-ass Corbin character, as, as annoying as he was as the constable, when he was in every other segment on Raw, the fact that he would just do it and do it unflappably, when he was lucky Corbin, happy Corbin, whatever, walking around in a Hawaiian shirt just smiling all the time, when he is tasked with something, he does it. And some of it has really worked. I think people loved the lone wolf as a heel, and I know everybody loved bum-ass Corbin. I think that that level of appreciation that I, I think what happens is on NXT, he started bringing up all of his old characters and uh, kind of symbolically burning all of his old outfits to say that, you know, all of that's over, but this is what I've gone through. And it reminds people when he does that of everything that he's done that maybe they don't think about on the day to day. And all of a sudden you go, oh yeah, dude, that guy kind of rules. And this appreciation builds at the same time what I didn't expect, and what I don't think anybody expected, was for Gable Stevenson to get booed. This is the exact opposite of what I was just saying a minute ago about how you know wrestling's doing well because the good guys get cheered and the bad guys get booed. Gable Stevenson was getting booed. The audience wanted Baron Corbin to win. And, you know, I think part of it could be that wrestling fans like pro wrestling. They don't need, unless an, uh, somebody from the outside comes in and is excellent at pro wrestling, like wrestling fans don't need Logan Paul, but there is this sort of unstated appreciation for his work because he clearly puts in all the time and the effort and he does work as a villain. And so people kind of dig it. Well, they dig not digging it, if that makes sense. So to me, I think that the powers that be, I hope, watch this match with Baron Corbin and they go, you know, the move here is probably to have Gable Stevenson and Baron Corbin have a rematch. I think Baron Corbin should win the match, 
I don't think he needs to turn babyface. I don't think that the cheers are going to be that overwhelming for him. But I think if Baron Corbin beats Gable Stevenson in a rematch, then you can use Baron Corbin going forward to beat a few more people and then really get somebody over by losing to them. In the meantime, I think that Gable Stevenson should respond to his loss to Baron Corbin and the fact that fans are booing him by completely turning heel. Now, the one time that the fans started reacting positively to him was he got ve- when he got very aggressive, when he started suplexing all the like security guards and stuff like that. So I think that tells you everything you need to know, that people will respond to Gable Stevenson when he's aggressive. But the idea of him pretending to be a pro wrestler or being a good guy right now, I just don't think it's going to work. Based on what we saw at Great American Bash, I could be wrong. But to me, I, I, I think the move for sure for sure, would be to turn Gable Stevenson heel and to let Corbin get a victory ski against him. Um, Speaking of SummerSlam, we were just talking about it a minute ago. Speaking of SummerSlam, um, there have been a lot of rumors circulating about SummerSlam, which have been... uh, Some of them have been kind of ridiculous. Look, you know we have three rules here at Not Sam Wrestling. Rule number one, we speculate wildly. Rule I forgot what rule number two is off the top of my head, but I remember there were three. And rule number three, and rule number three is we don't fantasy book Randy Orton. Oh, watch the product, of course. It, wild, speculate wildly, watch the product, and don't fantasy book Randy Orton because nobody knows what his health is. The people keep fantasy booking him, and it's it's dumb. But so. This is what I've heard could be happening at SummerSlam. And when I say I have heard, I don't mean from any inside sources. This is not rumblings that I've heard in Stamford, Connecticut. This is not whispers that I've heard backstage at arenas across the country. This is stuff I read on Twitter, okay? These are the same sources that you have. They're always wrong. So let's not get our hopes up. Of course, the first uh, SummerSlam conspiracy theory is... Uh, the Rock returning to confront Grayson Waller. Now, I think that this is a completely made-up theory. I think people just started st- saying it because Grayson Waller's been name-dropping The Rock on SmackDown, which I think is just a ploy. I don't think that it is actually... I could... Now, they could weave this into something where if they get The Rock, they could go, oh, let's do something with Grayson Waller. But I personally do not think... That that's this is that they that they have the rock in the pocket and they're setting something up with Grayson Waller. I don't I don't think that that's what's happening at all. But I think people saw a couple of people saw this promos and Grayson Waller calling out the rock. And then one guy was like, and, you know, Hollywood is on strike right now, so it would be good timing. And then all of a sudden you're reading the rock is returning to SummerSlam to confront Grayson Waller. Am I saying it's not going to happen? No, I have no idea. But I don't I mean, every big pay-per-view they go. I heard the rocks coming back. Then, before SmackDown this week, they said Randy Orton's going to come back at SummerSlam, and he's going to confront uh, 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 L.A. Knight. That that's L.A. Knight's spot. The reason L.A. Knight lost the title match or or the title qualifier was because uh, Randy Orton's going to come back and he's going to interrupt an L.A. Knight promo segment. Number one. Stop with the Randy Orton stuff. Stop. When Randy Orton comes back, 
We will all be happy. It'll be a fantastic moment. I will love it. But don't, you, it's like somebody with the money in the bank briefcase. They used to do this all the time. Maybe they'll cash in. Every single pay-per-view. Every every single pay-per-view. Randy Orton's coming back. Stop with the Randy Orton stuff. You don't know what you're talking about. And I guess it could still happen with LA Knight, but he's got the, the Battle Royal. Now, could Randy Orton, could LA Knight win the Battle Royal and then Randy Orton returns? Yeah, that's possible. But I don't know why you would have Randy Orton confront LA Knight unless Randy Orton's going to come back to be a heel because people cheer for LA Knight. So I don't know anything about that. But what I wanted to talk about was the third one, which is the rumors that Bray Wyatt is returning. This is the other one they said that that Bray Wyatt is going to come back to SummerSlam. Now, do I know if Bray Wyatt's coming back to SummerSlam? No, I have no idea. He's another one that I keep hearing he's going to come back. Anybody that's sort of on the shelf that hasn't been there, people are just speculating wildly, which I can't get mad at. It doesn't break a rule because he's not Randy Orton. And it actually does follow a rule because it is wild speculation. But in the spirit of wild speculation, I thought we should maybe think about what Bray should do should he come back, okay? So if Bray is going to come back to the WWE, it's got to be handled very delicately, you know? Bray, the problem with Bray was that during his last run, it started so, so very, very hot. It was the biggest thing in wrestling. And then it fell apart. Before he disappeared, people were over it. And I think that, that, that this is kind of one that has to work. I think in order for it to work, Bray can't come back in this really heady, hard to understand it's going to take 10 weeks to figure anything out type of way. It's just not going to work for Bray anymore. I don't think people are willing to give him that benefit of the doubt. I think as much as the character is, is and has always been based on the failures of the real-life Bray Wyatt, I think that this Bray has to learn from the mistakes made in presenting the character in the past. Um, I am not one of the people who think The Fiend can't work in wrestling. I am a fan of The Fiend. I was a fan of The Fiend. I think there is a way to make The Fiend work. I, I think it would be short-term, though. And I don't think... People are so anxious for Bray to return that I don't think The Fiend would be the way to do it right now. Because I also don't, you know, necessarily, like, The Fiend can't ever win giant matches. Because in order for The Fiend character to work, he has to, like, The Fiend was at his best when he was just no-selling everybody and killing people. But you can't kill people if you want them to be strong in 30 days at the next pay-per-view. Because people will be like, well, what the hell was that? Like, why am I watching this person fight this other guy when I know that if the fiend came out, he would just cream both of them. It's difficult. It's a difficult thing to pull off. That's why I think that, that Bray has to come back just as Bray. And I think if there is any, anything to compare Bray to, it would be to his original self. Well, 
kind of a hybrid between the version that we saw at the very beginning of his return most recently and the original Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt. People say they go, uh, uh, well, the Wyatt Six and he'll start a faction and it'll be this and it'll be that. I don't think that Bray Wyatt right now on his pawn his return, I don't think he should start a faction. I don't think he should have one person with him. I don't think he should have Uncle Howdy. I don't think he should have a Wyatt Six. I don't think he should have a Wyatt family. I don't think he should have Alexa Bliss. I don't think he should have anyone with him. Now, maybe down the road, all those things can kind of rear their ugly heads again. But I, 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 I think that we need to get across that Bray is a realistic, reality-based threat. Think about all the stories that are successful in WWE right now. All of them are reality-based. All of them are relatable. Going super supernatural is, is to me, not something that's going to work long-term in this era. I think that, that, that Bray needs to be a master of psychology, needs to have the vibe of a cult leader, but needs to be an extremely threatening violent presence. The original Bray Wyatt character, of course, uh, got a lot of comparisons to uh, Waylon Mercy that was played by Dan Spivey in 1995. And that is, of course, a character based on Max Cady, who is the, the villain in Cape Fear, which is an old movie, but the Max Cady that Waylon Mercy was basing it on was the 1990s Martin Scorsese movie that Robert De Niro played Max Cady. Max Cady is exactly what I'm thinking of because the thing about the original Bray was that Harper and Rowan were there to take care of a lot of his dirty work. And then Strowman was there to take care of a lot of his dirty work. There is an inherent thing where if you have a big guy that's taking care of a lot of the physical work that goes into you doing what you do as a professional wrestler, that you aren't going to be looked at as nearly as intimidating. The threat needs to be Bray Wyatt, not anybody that he's got around him. So I bring Bray Wyatt in as a very human form of Bray, but a psychological master, somebody who is in constant control, somebody that is clearly harmfully manipulative, but somebody who, when they have their hands on you, are a demon from hell. I think that 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 he's got to sell, right? He's got to have vulnerabilities. He's got to be a human being. But he's also got to be a ruthless individual. For me, if I'm bringing Bray back, the person that I think Bray should feud with is Cody Rhodes. I'll tell you why. After this Brock Lesnar match, there's no place else for Cody to go with Brock that story will be complete. That chapter will be over for Cody. Where does Cody go after that? When it comes to Brock, it's either something really big or it's the world title. I think that still, if Cody were to go after the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, then there would still be a lot of references to the fact that that's not finishing the story. The more Cody went after this title, the more it would be 
this isn't the title you wanted anyway, Cody. This isn't the one, Roman has the one you wanted. This is your consolation prize. And you don't want the World Heavyweight title looked at as a consolation prize. And I think Cody contextualizes it as such. I think Bray coming in to be a rival to Cody Rhodes works in a lot of different ways, right? I think that the story that Bray needs to tell is that Cody represents everything that Bray always wanted to be but was never able to pull off. Bray wanted to prove to the WWE that there was a different way of doing things that he knew what he was doing and that they were getting it wrong when they said, no, do it our way, not your way. Bray wanted to prove, and he didn't get to, but Cody did. Bray is this like, like scary looking villain. Cody looks like a Ken doll. Bray fought and fought to try to main event WrestleMania. Cody did it within a year of returning to the WWE. Cody was Bray's NXT, NXT coach. When NXT was a game show and it was pros and rookies, Husky Harris came in as the rookie and Cody was his pro. Cody wasn't a mentor to Bray Wyatt and he had every opportunity to do so. Talk about the aesthetics. Talk about the fact that it looks like Bray came from hell and Cody came from heaven. Talk about the fact that you can go back even further and say that, 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 that Cody, as much as in the current day, you are positioned at the top of this roster and we are all your supporting characters. I had to grow up with this all my life. You talk about everything that your father went through. You talk about living up to the Rhodes family name. Well, let me tell you about family names. Let me tell you about a Rotunda and a Wyndham. Because Mike Rotunda and Barry Wyndham were the ones that had to hold territories together so that Dusty could be on top. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. And now there's another Rotunda in the WWE whose name is Wyndham. And I'm here to support you, a Rhodes, as the top guy. It'll never happen. Cody, I'm here to destroy you. And that's the story that Bray tells us coming in. It's not hidden messages. It's not puppets. It's not uh, 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 the macabre. It's not, it's not a cult. It's not symbols. It's here's the real life. You're from heaven, and I'm from hell. My father and my uncle had to support your father so that I could come to the WWE and support you throughout our entire careers. It'll never happen. Cody, the only way I can exist on the, in this realm is to destroy you. And then, you know, Cody and Bray do their thing. And they go through it. And Cody obviously ends up winning. But I think Bray can be better for it. Cody can be shown as really having to go through something. And after that, I think hopefully Braun Strowman is back from his injury. And Bray goes after Braun Strowman. I taught you nothing. And that's when Bray starts getting his victories. Bray beats Braun Strowman. He moves on to the next person. And so on and so forth. But we build Bray 
as this singular entity. Maybe he picks up followers along the way. Maybe he doesn't. But that's not the point anymore. The point is for him to extract revenge and to do it through psychological manipulation and violent terror. Just an idea, just a little violent terror to, 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 to make a wrestling show fun, you know. Big deal. What else are we going to do? Um, over on the uh, AEW side of things, over on uh, Collision, um, pretty eventful Collision, as a matter of fact. Uh, the show started up great. I love, I mean, come on, guys, finally. We're doing angles. Come on, can you believe it? We're doing angles in AEW. Why are CM Punk and Ricky Starks fighting? Well, I'll tell you why CM Punk and Ricky Starks are fighting, and we've got a real story here. CM Punk, uh, CM Punk finally reveals what's in the bag. What's in the bag? He opens the bag. He takes out the AEW championship that he held, and he puts a big X over the front of it for straight edge, and he calls it the Collision World title. Now, it's really interesting that CM Punk is the only person really who's making a big deal out of Collision being its own show and Collision being its own brand. And I actually think that it's very smart because what it does is the fact that CM Punk's the only one doing it, I think kind of gives the impression that he's not really supposed to be saying that. And CM Punk is at his best when he's saying things that aren't, when he's breaking the rules. So that is a huge positive. And, and... It's gonna it, it it it's slow building this sort of us against them, um, kind of a, 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 a separate brand of like they're rebels, like Collision is the rebel brand, and now Ricky Starks is he wants to be the Collision World Champion. I want that title, and you're going. Well, I like CM Punk, or I don't like CM Punk, but I like Ricky Starks. So I don't like Ricky Starks, but I like CM Punk. And then FTR comes into the fold. And then, and, and like this starts building where you're like, Collision is my show. Stylistically, they're doing things differently. There's more angles, not just matches. And the guys on it are different. I love Collision. And I think it's really smart that they're, they're slowly but surely building this brand. And uh, I think it's going to work. I feel like it's slowly been working so far. You know, Ricky considers himself the face of Collision. Punk considers himself a collision guy. It's like all of a sudden collision means something. You can either like it or not like it, but it has meaning. And that's so important. Like that that's what's going to draw people in, in my opinion. Uh, so on the same show, we're playing through this uh, MJF Adam Cole thing. Uh, this is a storyline that transcends between dynamite and collision and I think a lot of people were very surprised at the end of Dynamite uh, or at the end of Collision. I know I was. That Punk and uh, that MJF and Adam Cole didn't win the tag team championship, but also nobody turned on anybody. They ended with a hug, and there was a lot of tension. The timing felt a little off at the end of that show, but maybe that was uh, on purpose to to make sure that the tension stayed between the the parties. But I thought it was well done. Um, and I'm also more than anything else intrigued about where exactly it's going. Based on what I saw, I think that 
it should go. So, so I kind of feel like now the move might be to have Adam Cole and MJF stay together. It almost feels like it's really working to have MJF finally let his guard down. I feel like, uh, like you do MJF versus Punk at All In in Wembley. Because again, Punk mentioned Wembley. If Punk's the only wrestler who's talking about Wembley Stadium, that would lead me to believe that he's got to be on that show. So I think that the move would be to do title versus title. I don't think you want Punk to walk around with the X'd out title forever. So I think the move would be to do Punk versus MJF at Wembley. I think that's when Adam Cole turns on MJF. Punk wins. He's now got both titles. Adam Cole is a heel. MJF is a babyface. You can go right to the next pay-per-view all out and do MJF versus Adam Cole because... Like I said, you're going to need that in order to get people interested enough to buy a second pay-per-view a week later. After that, you could start a rivalry between Adam Cole and the Elite that you were kind of hinting at in the very beginning that you never really went all the way with because, you know, you don't actually have to say because Adam Cole put the world title on Punk, but saying without saying that, you know, the elite wrestle on Wednesdays and now the world title isn't there for them to win because Adam Cole was selfish. Well, now the elite versus Adam Cole is a thing. And then on the other show, you start building up towards MJF versus CM Punk one more time. This time it's clear heel versus babyface as CM Punk starts to devolve into a heel. You know, you could even do like, uh, you could do, CM Punk versus MJF at All In with the winner facing Ricky Starks at All Out. So All Out would now have CM Punk versus Ricky Starks for both titles, depending on how the match on TV ends. And then uh, MJF versus Adam Cole in a grudge match. CM Punk wins, MJF wins, and then you're going to go to the next pay-per-view with CM Punk full heel versus MJF full babyface. It's a possibility. Just a way to go. Just my way to go. Let's uh, uh, let's do some news and notes here. Of course, we mentioned it before. LA Knight is, of course, in the uh, Slim Jim Battle Royal. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, we'll see if it if it amounts to anything. You know, I I... A lot of people have had big spots winning battle royals and it hasn't meant a lot. Cesaro, everybody that's ever won the Andre Battle Royal. Everyone that's ever won the Andre Battle Royal at WrestleMania. Riddick Moss, Cesaro, Baron Corbin. You know, I mean, it's like, it's all there for you. So, you know, hopefully it does something. Um, shout outs to Rey Mysterio. That sucks that the match ended the way it ended uh, with Ray getting injured and Santos Escobar goes on to face uh, Austin Theory for the United States Championship. Uh, I do like that Theory's using it in promos. Like, after the match, he did a promo saying Santos was a bad guy, which I like that, you know, might as well utilize it, but sucks that that happened to Ray. 
Um, the women's tag team champions lost uh, in their first match as champions. Uh, Bianca and Charlotte teaming up uh, were able to beat Chelsea and Sonya Deville, which, I mean, I get why Bianca and Charlotte would beat Chelsea and Sonya. I don't understand why they would do that right after they won the tag team championship. There are a lot of other tag teams you could do it with. There are a lot. I just, I don't know. I don't know why the tag team champions have to take a clean pinfall. It would make, I mean, it makes sense that the, that those two would lose to Charlotte and Bianca, but Kentucky, why do it? I don't understand. I just don't, th I, I don't think there's as much, uh, to benefit with that as there is that it takes away from the tag team champions, especially as you're just building that tag team title to try to mean something. And you've now, you keep swapping it. So you're now swapping it over and over again. And the champions are losing in non-title matches. It just doesn't, doesn't bode well with me. I don't understand it. What I do understand and what I am digging is the Hurt Business 2.0. It seems like that's where we're going. Looking at Bobby Lashley uh, have that meeting with the Street Profits. I love the idea of the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley together. Hopefully they bring MVP back in for that because that would not be cool. If they brought back the Hurt Business or anything like the Hurt Business and they did it without MVP, that would be a bummer for poor MVP. That would not be cool at all. But I haven't seen him pop up yet, so I suppose it remains to be seen. Uh, hey, I plugged the event a little earlier, but uh, I wanted to let you guys know SummerSlam Saturday, of course, we're doing uh, Not Sam Wrestling live at the Detroit House of Comedy. Um, guests are confirming. Uh, I will tell you that uh, later this week, we will announce uh, who we've got coming in from WWE because we will have uh, guests from WWE. Uh, but we also can confirm that we will be doing a super pod as part of Not Sam Wrestling Live. Both Dave LaGreca and Chris Van Vliet will be there with me. And we will have... All three men on one stage, Chris Van Vliet, Dave LaGreca, and Sam Roberts. And together, we will determine who actually is Mr. SummerSlam. What superstar is the king of SummerSlam? We will have that debate as long as, as well as many other conversations. Be a part of it live. Uh, go to NotSamLive.com. Get your tickets for Not Sam Wrestling uh, right before SummerSlam, August 5th in Detroit, Detroit House of Comedy, 5 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, I hope to see you all there. Uh, and in the meantime, let's read some emails. Jimmy says, from Oklahoma City, been listening for about a year now, and my girl and I actually randomly met you walking across the street in the rain in Los Angeles right in front of the comedy store in L.A. the day after your show, WrestleMania weekend. Oh, I hope you guys got to go to the show. Um, do you miss the entryway stage setups of the Attitude Era as much as I do? If so, do you have a favorite from that era? Off the top of my head, mine is probably Backlash 2000 with the swinging ice picks. Um, yeah, I, uh, oh, and recently finished your Not Sam show on the network from the pandemic. The culture needs that show back. It was fire. I appreciate you, Jimmy. It was fire. Um, I wish they would bring that show back. That was, a, that was a wild thing to get to do, but I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I like the old Night of... I, it wasn't... A lot of the ones that I remember are more from the PG era than the Attitude era. But, like... 
I think St. Valentine's Day Massacre set was kind of cool. The In Your House DX set was cool. I just like the old In Your House set too with the garage and everything. Um, but I do like that on the, uh, what's it called? Uh, international pay-per-views that they have started doing that narrow entranceway with the screens all around it. Yeah, I like it when they mix it up uh, any way they can for sure. Uh, Carly, do you think Randy Orton will return at Summer Slam. Oh, so I got you, but seriously. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, she wrote another email. Don't read it. Okay, I won't read it. And she says, so if you don't like Roman Reigns' question, blah, blah, blah. As a businesswoman, I have a business question. Okay. Do you think NXT should go dark? Sure, they make money off the TV rights, but we are exposed to talent, and once you see them in a role, that's who they're going to be, right? No. I don't agree with that at all. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I think I get the thinking behind it, but I think people view NXT and WWE as separate products. Um, I think the fact that NXT is done out of the uh, performance center every week helps to make it look completely different um, and, and give people the idea that this is not the same thing. But I mean, you just look at it, right? I mean, I think... Uh, uh, Cameron Grimes, like he's, it's not like he's just showing up and people know exactly who he is. You could completely repackage Cameron Grimes. I, and I think that they should, you know, I think that when people come up from NXT, the assumption should be that they will be reintroduced and repackaged because if you think that they're going to come up, it's never, I mean, it, it's very rarely happened that somebody's come up from NXT and the stuff that they've done in NXT is enough to get them over. If anything, it's usually the reverse. Um, let's see. Uh, Kanjay with like all kinds of colorful colors in his email. When and how do you predict the Creed Brothers will debut on the main roster? Do you think it'll be Raw or SmackDown? I don't know. It looks to me like they're going to join Schism. I feel like they're in those yellow masks behind Schism. So I don't know if they're going to the main roster anytime soon. Uh, what do you think about the Cora Jade by tweet? I fear the idea of her leaving... I hope it's a way of her getting called up. Um, I don't know. I, I'd love to see Cora Jade get called up. I, I think that I think that there's a I I think Cora Jade's gonna do a lot in WWE. I hope that she gets the opportunity to, because I'm a big Cora Jade fan. Kyle Robertson says, uh, there's quite a bit of emails about eras last week, so that begs the question, which era is your favorite? I my favorite era is purely based on nostalgia. I love the new generation era. And that is only because it's what I grew up with. It is simply because it's what I watched, you know, as an adolescent when I was in middle school. It was, and, and you know, late elementary school. It was the Attitude Era. I mean, I watched everything, obviously. I started watching around, you know, WrestleMania 5, WrestleMania 6. But yeah, there's just something about me. I was really forming into the wrestling fan that I became during the new generation era. So that is the stuff that I would go back to every single time. Um, and there's a lot of uh, misunderstood gems in the new generation, too. Avery says, I had no idea you were part of the elite group from Mattel, but in your opinion, do you think the elite and ultimate figures are better than AEW unrivaled figures? Well, ultimate figures definitely are. For me, yeah, obviously I'm on the elite squad, so I'm a little bit biased. To Yeah, for me, the Mattel's ultimate figures are the best wrestling figures that have ever been made. Uh, I love the ultimate line. I try to get two of every single figure that gets released in ultimate, and I think they're amazing. Um, John says, not Sam rocks, not 
Sam rocks. I dare not wildly speculate about returning Orton or Big E. Thank you. But I had an idea for a match between Red Kane and Blue Kane, especially with the election next year. That's fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Red Kane. Yeah, I guess Red Kane would work as Red Kane. And yeah, hopefully Blue Kane. You know what? The fact that Red Kane works on two different. I like that. That is a good idea. Uh, Ultra Boy, uh, what do you think of my alternate universe WWE versus AEW Forbidden Door card? I'll look at it a little bit. AJ Styles versus Kenny Omega. I don't think so. Usos versus it's Roman Reigns versus Kenny Omega. Usos versus Young Bucks. Yes. CM Punk versus Edge. No. No. You do CM Punk versus Seth Rollins. Uh, Hangman versus Cody Rhodes. I don't know about that. Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are... No. Because Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch aren't a team on television. Roman Reigns versus John Moxley. Well, I probably actually... I'd change it. I'd do Seth Rollins versus John Moxley and CM Punk versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Sami Zayn. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Hook versus Dominic. I don't know. I feel like Dominic has risen faster than Hook has. Lucha Bros versus Rey Mysterio and Ricochet as Prince Puma. That, all right, I'm done with this email. That's so dumb. Why would Ricochet be Prince Puma if it's WWE versus AEW? And Rey Mysterio and Ricochet. Now we're just adding in Lucha Underground tag teams too? Uh, not Dean says, uh, hey, Sam, how is it possible that there's never been a good lawyer gimmick in WWE? That's not true. Clarence Mason. Oh, Clarence Mason doesn't count. <laughs> We're talking about an attorney who actually wrestles, not a mouthpiece. Okay. Uh, Abyss's alter ego. So how about this? Attorney Case Cochran. Well, there's uh, uh, Mark Sterling, smart Mark Sterling, managed by paralegal Sue Law. Look, I think that the reason that there's not a lawyer who is a wrestler is because lawyers help you weasel out of problems. They're generally not looked at as good. Like a lawyer, a, a lawyer would get you out of wrestling. A lawyer wouldn't actually wrestle. So that's why I think it wouldn't make sense. Although they did have a tax attorney. Or is he a tax agent? I don't know. Erwin R. Scheister. Uh, Matt B. Sam, hope you're enjoying the summer. I am, thank you. I'm not going to fantasy book or wildly speculate on how this happens, but what are your thoughts on Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark as women's tag team champions? I could see that. I think uh, I think that's a, I could see it. I, I think it would work. You know, I, I, I would like Chelsea and Sonya to have a run. If Trish Stratus is coming back full-time, though, I don't think it would be a bad thing. Uh, Nicholas. Uh, I wish you'd have a good time next Saturday at the House of Comedy. Wish I could be there, but there's an Atlantic Ocean in between us. Get on a plane, dude. About all in. People are shocked it sold out without it. Well, it didn't sell out. Without a single match announced, but it did sell more than anything. What they don't realize is how little big wrestling shows we have in Europe. Right. No, I know that. Okay. I mean, that's not a question. Um, Micah, if you had to pick one shock, if you had to pick one shock, one return, and one heel turn to happen at SummerSlam, who would you pick? Bray Wyatt would be my return. And a heel turn? Uh, I'd probably have to look at the card. I don't have it in front of me. But I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody that I'm really hoping. Oh, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre would be my heel turn. Bray Wyatt would be my return. Um, 
Let's see. Jason said, you said there is not Robert's Family Rules of Tribal Content, but if there was, what would be the top three rules? Okay, the Robert's Family Rules of Tribal Combat are no fantasy booking Randy Orton, speculate wildly, and watch the product. Those are the three rules of Robert's Tribal Combat. Uh, ben says, uh, what the hell is up with the WWE Tag Team Division? After Night of Champions, it felt like they had no idea what to do with the title story-wise, just weekly main events. I mean, Kevin Owens is injured. I, I mean, I don't know. Night of Champions wasn't that long ago, and I, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens were defending their titles against people. I mean, it's like they just are getting off of the one of the biggest stories ever. So, you know, you got to give them a little bit of time to cook, I think. Uh, Matthew says, uh, I would love your thoughts if Bret Hart is Mr. SummerSlam besides Team WWE versus the Nexus when he was not at peak performance. Look, Bret Hart, his SummerSlam run for me, 90, because the Hart Foundation versus Demolition is a banger. 90, 91, 92, 93, Bret Hart versus Doink, don't sleep on it. 94, which is Bret versus Owen. That's five in a row for me. But we'll get into that conversation at the House of Comedy in Detroit. Go to NotSamLive.com for tickets. Shamo, if there was no, if there was a pro wrestling draft with the caveat you can't draft anybody signed to WWE, AEW, Impact, and New Japan, who would be your number one pick? Matt Cardona. Easy. Wrestling Minute. Who suffered the worst from losing to John Cena? I like this question. Wade Barrett, SummerSlam 10. Bray Wyatt, WrestleMania 30. Damian Sandow failed cash in. Barrett. I think, I don't know how much bigger Damian Sandow would have gotten anyway. Bray Wyatt, I think, Bray Wyatt's going to find his way regardless. I think Wade Barrett's the one whose life would have been altered if that decision had changed. I would say Wade Barrett. Um, let's see. Matt says, I love Finn Balor as a heel in the Prince version uh, from his second NXT run and Judgment Day. I think if Finn were to win the title from Seth Rollins then lose it to Priest, Balor could lean into being driven more mad by having a second title run last less than 24 hours. He's made the quick universal reign such a part of his Judgment Day character that I think another short reign could send him to a new heelish level. But most scenarios I can think of where Priest cashes in would cast Finn as a babyface. So I'm not... Yeah, well, of course. Can you think of a way to book Finn so Finn could remain a psychotic heel driven by the this happened again? No. No. No, Matt. This doesn't work. Number one... A guy who is driven to madness because he loses all the time is not a good character because people are like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's scary, but he will just lose anyway. He sucks. And number two, you can't become, if you start a rivalry with a heel, you can't become more of a heel. You're not going to turn Damian Priest. Yeah, no, none of that makes any sense what you just said. What the hell you were doing when you wrote that email? <laughs> Kidding. Sam, uh, do you think it behooves wrestling fans to learn more about how things actually work backstage? No. How storylines are written, how shows are produced, how things are planned out. I'm tired of hearing the same complaints from people about things not happening that are logistically impossible. Also, can Bray just be a guy? Why? Well, I talked to you about Bray. No, I mean, no. I think that that, that fans should probably be a, a little bit understanding. Or I think in general. Not just with wrestling. People should know what they know 
and know what they don't know. And that should just be a, a way you live your life. Like, don't act like you know everything if you don't know everything. But that said, no, I think you should just watch the show if you want to watch the show. Just watch the product. That's all. Like, I don't understand why Baron Corbin versus Gable Stevenson was a double countout. But I'm not going to chalk it up to incompetence. I'm going to say that there's a good possibility that something happened that I have no idea about. I think that that's probably more the way to do it than to have to explain every... I mean, can you imagine working a job and you had to explain to millions of people exactly step-by-step step what was happening because otherwise they would get mad at you? Like, no way. None of your business is the answer. Carly says, I finally subbed to your channel, but you know, I followed not Sam and even Jim and Sam, but where's our Friday night show? I feel like hot dogs... Uh, Balls are going unbusted. Any, what are you talking about? I do a show every Friday on the Not Sam YouTube channel. Oh, oh, this is the Carly from before who didn't want me to write the email. Oh, read her email. She was drunk. <laughs> um, let's see. Tim says, uh, loved your interview with Cody, finding out the truth about Matt Cardona being a pecker checker. Speaking of Matt Cardona, it almost feels like a missed opportunity with WWE not capitalizing on Matt claiming to be the whole half of half of the WWE women's Tag champs, I don't think that's true. Him being Chelsea's heater and coming out with a valet role would be really entertaining. Well, no, you can't be a heater in a women's division if you're a man. You can't touch any of the women. No. I... Also, do you think AEW should learn more, lean more into ECW for the Jack Perry uh, and Taz Hook angle? Or should they just stick to the FTW title and Toller's legacy? They're bringing Jerry Lynn into this but he never had the title. Instead, I'd like to see Sabu get involved to protect Taz if he's okay to wrestle. I don't know. Sabu was just there. I don't think he's okay to wrestle. Here's the thing about, like, unless they're planning on bringing in Dreamer, RVD, Raven. Like, no, I I don't think having EC... I am the biggest ECW fan in the world. It was 1999, 1998. At this point, do I... No, it was 25 years ago. Do I think people from 25, it would be like if I was watching ECW and then, and it was 1998 and this whole group of people who wrestled in 1973 came in and started beating up one of my ECW guys, I'd be like, I don't want to see all these guys from 1973 wrestle. No, I think Jack Perry, if he wants to be a heel, should cut his hair and... I don't know, just be a heel, right? I, I, I wrestle guys on the AEW roster. Uh, Latoya says, what's the haps? Just finished watching Great American Bash from NXT, and I must say, wow, that was a great premium live event for the third brand. Do you feel that this had uh, the takeover era caliber of matches? By the way, keep on doing what you do because I enjoy wildly speculating every week. Thank you very much, Latoya. Yeah, I mean, look, I think... Uh, Carmelo versus uh, Ilya was so, so good because it showed Carmelo's range. Like, it showed how good he can get um, and how deep he can go. I, I thought that match was great. Um, women's match was awesome. I loved the opening tag. Yeah, it was a great show. I don't, you know, I don't think it's fair to compare any of it to TakeOver's just because TakeOver was such its own precious, unique vibe. But I think NXT right now is very quietly 
putting on incredible shows. And I think it is a, I think it's a slow process that people are catching up to the fact that NXT is a really fun wrestling product right now. And it's taken them a while to get there. But even their week-to-week TV, NXT is a really fun wrestling product right now. And when it's time to put on a live show and they sell 4,000 out of 4,000 tickets to put on that live show, they deliver. And it's cool to see. Appreciate you all. Hope to see a lot of you guys out in Detroit. Uh, NotSamLive.com, Detroit House of Comedy, Saturday, 5 p.m. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.